Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed boost pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am your host, Chris Sinclair, joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Garrison. We are live in effect, season five, episode three. I am very excited here. Uh, man, it's been, a, it's been a good week. I'm good. Drew, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm just trying to survive this, like the false spring that we had. Um, I, I've, you know, I, I've moved up into the the foothills of the Sacramento area, so it's a little bit colder. It like it like it's like about four to five degrees colder where I live now versus where I was living before. It's really crazy, and so I think also combined with the fact that I'm becoming a brittle old man. Like I went outside today and I just was like, this outfit is not enough. And I had to go back inside and change and put on more layers. <laughs> I was just like, what happened to me? I do you still, do you, this out. Have you started holding the phone like three feet away from your face when you're trying to read it now? No, I, I, I'm not doing that. There's definitely some other things. I noticed that my best friend today took um, a bunch of pictures and put it on his Instagram and we're the same age. And like one of them was completely off center and like cut off half his face. And then the, and they were at like a concert and the other two were like these really far away pictures. I was like, oh, so now we're at old man age where we're just taking random ass photos that aren't centered or make any sense. And they're blurry. We just post them like it's not an issue. Like that's that's where I, that's the group that I'm in now that we just continue to transition. And, you know, more and more often technology doesn't make sense to me. Um it's just it it's really really bizarre but outside of that you know i'm doing really well i know what we're gonna i know what we're gonna do soon is we're gonna do like an episode where we catch everybody up on exactly what's going on in our lives which you know when you when you presented the idea to me i just was like stroke my own ego yeah let's do it you know so i look forward to doing that with you but tonight we're not doing that tonight we're we're bringing in Someone who's been on the podcast before, almost two years to the day was the last time this person joined. And I don't want to say that we rocket strapped him, but I kind of feel like we rocket strapped him. Um, I like that. I like that you like saying that we have more cachet than than we probably do. But I'm, you know, if no one else is going to uh, is going to honk our own horns, is that is that the saying? Honk your own horn. Two, yeah, two. Toot the horn. No one else toots yeah. our horn for us. That's correct. You have Who to else do, is it. Gonna do it. So that's that's right. Now I I I couldn't be more humbled by our guest tonight because he he is definitely one of my favorite people. And um the last time that we that we did have him on, he was ready to take on uh a new venture, and it was a very, very monumental one. Uh and it was one that, you know, you could you could tell he was nervous about it. And then I've been fortunate enough to expand my work territory and that I've got to see him in this new element. And it's just it it makes me so happy. So our guest tonight is the general manager of Trick Dog. Yes, that Trick Dog on the top 50 <laughs> bars in the world. He is uh, the beverage director for the Bon Vivants. Is it Vivants? I mean, again, I'm. Oh, know, my God. Pronunciation dyslexic. Uh, Nick Dolan, welcome, buddy. It's good to have you back, man. Thank you, thank you. It's Vivance, Bon Vivance. 
See, I, I read Jerry Thomas's guy. It's French, dog. Guy. Come on, Vivance. Yeah. You're, you're. Well, I did Vivance first, and then I, then I white guyed it back or Americanized it back. Um, they're freedom fries, yes, baby. They are freedom fries. Uh, Nick, again, we're so excited to have you here. Um, again, like almost two years to the day, you had just announced that you were leaving leaving Sacramento to go to trick dog to take on this monumental task of taking over a beverage program. Um, as you've put it to me, you were just kind of like, I was just trying not to fuck it up at this point, you know, um, totally. But, but now you've come out with, you know, some very, very, very cool menus, some very cool cocktails. You have a staff that I've got to know a little bit over the past couple of months and they are truly amazing as well. I mean, you know, there's so many different things that you have going on. I mean, what has what is this whirlwind adventure been like moving to San Francisco, running this intense bar program or this well well regarded bar program? What's that been like for you? Yeah, well, it was, you know, I think going into it, the, all the people that I looked up to in the industry, Trick Dog was like all of their favorite bars. I remember like going to like so many of like going with like so many friends to go visit the bars and see their menu releases and the new launches and all that. And so it it was like, none of it felt real. And even as I was going through the motions, like getting there, starting training, building the team, hiring first menu release, second menu release, like a lot of it just, I, things were happening so fast that I don't think I really took time to reflect or sit back on it. So this is nice. This is cool to like, think about it. Think about two years ago which is crazy to think that it's been that long. Yeah. But, I can't, I can't believe uh, that it's been two years already. That feels so, so surreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, like vividly remember sitting on the podcast and being, and like, talking with you two and being so stoked and being like, this is so cool that you guys are doing this. And I'm, I'm so happy that I can be on this, that you guys want to talk to me. And so now like this whole situation to get to reflect back. I mean, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought about a lot. Like there's been, it, it's been so busy and there's been so much that I've just been trying to make sure that I'm ahead of the curve on and, and just trying to do a good job and do right by, by Josh Harris, the the owner and do right by the people that, that work at the bar. And it, it's so funny because I, I definitely remember people sitting in the interviews, like as I'm interviewing everyone for the job at Trick Talk, and this happened so many times that they were, they looked at me and they were like, you know what, to be honest, like, I can't believe that I'm even here interviewing for Trick Dog. It's so cool. And in my head, I was, in my head, I was saying, yeah, I can't believe that I'm the one interviewing you for this job. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And it was wild to me because I remember I like wanted, I, again, in the interviews, I wanted at the end of it when I was like, great, like, thanks so much for taking the time. Do you have any questions? Um, you know, for me or for, for us and, and, and the bar and whatnot. And I was like waiting for everyone to say, yeah, um, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, who, who are you? What's your relationship to this? Why are you interviewing me? Um, no one really said that. A couple of people actually did ask. They're like, yeah, um, wait, what's your background? How long have you worked with the company? Um, and, you know, I think I was really nervous and timid in the beginning. And like, it felt like such big shoes to fill. But everyone was so gracious that used to work for the team. Katie Connolly, Morgan, Glovebox Alfie, like all these people, they were so beyond kind and nice and supportive. And so having their blessing was was really, really great. And um, yeah, it was crazy until it, it wasn't. Now things feel a lot more settled. It feels, you know, we're actually just 
about to start the process for the next menu. And we have like a critical path and we have it all like dialed and lined up for how we're going to approach it. And the conversations are lined up and we have the ideas in the hopper and, you know, it's, it all feels much smoother now, which, you know, I'm grateful for, but I'm also kind of just ready to shake it up again and, and try to go to the next, you know, go to the next thing, not, not move away from this space, but, but add on more and, and uh, build it up even more. So. Yeah. I we'll think that, I, I mean, you know, so I've been able to, like I said, kind of get down there and experience the menu a couple times. And my most, my most recent trip was, was really fun because it, it's almost like a different experience. You know, when you just go in as a patron, it's kind of like, well, this is really awesome. This is really cool. And then, uh, you know, experience it that way. Cause this is obviously a territory that I'm developing. Um, but then to go in the second time, it's kind of like, Oh, you were here earlier sharing a bunch of stuff like your, your industry. And not to say that, like, obviously you get preferential treatment, but then there's kind of like, you know, you know, like the wink, you know, it's like, Oh, you, you should try this one. Like, this is definitely where you want to go. Or it's, you know, we ordered uh, essentially a, a classy adios motherfucker is what it is, what it is. And it was so delicious to have this like bright blue drink in, um, you know, a craft cocktail bar. And then I love what you've done, like with this concept where there's, there's this homage that you're paying to all those people that you just mentioned and all the previous menus and, and cool things. And when you walk mm-hmm. around the bar and you can see the, the old menus, I mean, how important is it to you to make sure that, you're putting your own stamp on something, but also kind of being like, Hey, this is, this is also a place that has done really special things. Yeah. You know, I think the, the biggest thing was going into it. I really needed to understand the systems that were in place first. Like it it was more about me learning how they did everything and how they operated rather than me being like, well, this is how I operate. This is how I do things. These are my drink recipes and whatnot. So I really tried to understand, you know, like their their drink compendium, their Rolodex, how do they how they made cocktails, what their process was like. And it was really about unearthing all of that. Like, I mean, trying to get as much time as I could with all of the the, the former general managers and bar managers there and, and really understanding their style and what the space was. And the nice thing was I found that there was a lot of overlap, like the way that Morgan liked to make drinks is really similar to a lot of the ways that like I like to make drinks. And so it was nice because there was enough overlap that that it, it made it it made it feel natural. And then at at a certain point, I felt comfortable and I felt like I understood the space. And especially with this the the Mota menu, so it's currently the Museum of Trick Dog Art. So we made a brochure um, and and are basically pretending like Trick Dog is this museum of art. We we hung up, we framed and professionally framed and hung up all the art all around the space. And we uh, have like a little pamphlet and whatnot, and all the drinks are now inspired by past menus. That was kind of like the final step, I felt like, for me, of really being able to digest and understand the past and history of Trick Dog, because we had to become historians for the space in trying to find inspiration for it all. So that was like the final piece of being like, okay, I, w- I just really feel like... I, like I, I wasn't there. I absolutely wasn't there. I feel like an imposter all the time, but, but of, of like <laughs> being in a space and accepting all the awards and world's best bars and all these things. But it felt, it very much felt like the space, like now after looking into it all, all the conversations and whatnot, I truly do feel like I, like I understood so much of the history in the past and the journey that, that trick dog's been on. And I, I it, it's kind of like perfect timing. Cause if we did this menu, we honored everything. It was so amazing. The 10 year anniversary party, old dogs, new tricks that we threw. 
was so incredible. Dandy Automator came and, and DJed there from the gorillas. Like all the old heads were back behind the bar bartending. I, I've never been so happy to see a, a room full of people like that. But it, it truly feels like now, like, okay, like this is a perfect like story of where we, we understood the past and now now it's it's really time for us to move forward. And it feels like that for our team too. I mean, it's it's not just me, it's it's so much of the team that's in the bar there and the confidence that everyone has. Um, and now we have like, you know, the Travis, Joe's, Colleen's, um, Mitchell, Pancho's, like all the people there that they, we all, you can, we move around the space a little bit different. Like before we were all a little timid and kind of like, you know, like, yeah, we work at Trick Dog. It's cool. It's cool to be here. But now there's a little more swagger in the step and, and whatnot. And so it's nice. Uh, it, it's, you know, the timing all worked out. It all worked out great. And I feel like, um, yeah, we're, we're now moving into the space where it feels natural to, not take a nod to the past and, and respect the past, but also have our own flavor and, and, and our own stamp on, on what the space is. Yeah. What, no, what I, are think some that, of the, I think that's what makes sense. What are some of the, we'll say the pass through narratives that, that obviously that, that you're carrying over. I mean, cause, cause obviously you change, you change people, you change styles, you change, you know, bartenders, you know, like ingredients are fine, but that's not that the ingredients don't make trick dog trick dog. What what is it about the past that you're carrying through to the future that you feel like maintains that narrative uh, for yourself or for the consumer? Great. OK, great question. I okay, so there's like one thing that comes to mind that like I, I think about the most and it's it's the waving of the menus behind the bar when someone walks in and it's three rows deep and it's it's just like super packed and the music's loud and the lights are dark and someone walks in and we know in that moment they're probably thinking like fuck i am never gonna get a drink here and and there's someone behind the bar frantically waving a menu going hey folks how's it going you guys need a menu like that moment and then like reaching <laughs> through the crowd to pass over the menu and hand it to someone. It's like that moment for us was something that we harped on like continuously because that was like, for me, that was so nostalgic of the moment when I walked in, I remember walking into the space thinking that exact same thing. And I like, it was, it was Josh Jenkins, it was glove box behind the bar. And he's like, what's going on guys. Like, well, he's like stirring drinks and he's waving a menu. And that moment was like, that energy I felt like kind of encapsulated like a lot. Like it, it, it that was the idea. It was like, we're, this bar is going to be busy, but we're not going to take ourselves seriously. We're going to be super fun. And we're just going to be trying to make every single person that walks in the bar our, our best friend. And so I think that, that in terms of an energy, you know, like, yeah, the menu flips every six months. We try to keep that fun, engaging, interesting, collaborative with our community and whatnot. Um, there's the philanthropic endeavors of, of the bar has always been like a strong tenet of the space and whatnot. Those things are all there in terms of the energy though. The thing that I felt like was the most, you know, tasty drinks, stuff like that, like that, that all needed to be there. But like from an energy standpoint, like the best way that I can describe it is like waving the menus like crazy and reaching across like a group <laughs> of like large groups of people to be like, here you go. Like that to me was like, that was what we needed to do. I think that's I think that's so amazing, and there's there's no better way to make people feel special. And you know, it, again, being able to work in 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 the market and stuff, and kind of have like these experiences with you know a lot of people that I've 
that I've looked up to and, and we're going to have them, you know, on the podcast over the next couple of weeks. So Nick's really kind of kicking off the San Francisco Renaissance for us, which is, which is really fun. But I want to ask you about kind of like the pressure that comes with, with managing a place like trick dog, because I, you know, we, we have some brands that we're going to be working on together in the future. And, um, one of the brands reached out to me and I was, I was like, Hey, just so you know, this is kind of the timeline that we're looking at and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, they're, they're so excited. Like they're so excited to be in that bar that the guy then went and asked like, can we like put it on our LinkedIn that we're the <laughs> X product here? And I just am like, I'm like, I, I was like, I'll Sick. ask. Like, that's like the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But um, uh, I was like, give me some, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll ask. I mean, like, so when you, you know, when you hear something like that and you know, within the industry, like you guys are held in such a high regard, what is that pressure like? How do you deal with it? And, um, you know, are you excited to be on someone's LinkedIn profile as a, as a, you know, reference point? That's pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited. I wasn't expecting that news. So thank you, Drew. That's (laughs) quite an honor. (laughs) No, man, you know, I mean, that is cool. I think about that stuff all the time. Like, I know that, like, you know, it's a nice reminder because at the end of the day, like, you know, Trick Dog is, there's so many cool things about it, but it's a bar. I remember Katie, Katie Connolly said, she's like, it's a bar. It has bar problems. And so often, like, you know, you're just the our toilets clog and the the sinks clogged, and you know you got to replace the fridge and the you know the bulbs and all these different like normal bar things happen, and so you can get lost of like that like how much these things mean and how much they matter. Um, I know that I put a lot of pressure internally on myself, like to to try to uphold certain standards of of the space. Um, you know, I think that I found like so much support in the team, so much support in, in Josh and and all these like all around me, a lot of support in the city. Everyone's been really cool and really nice out here. Um, but it does the best way. Um, a friend said it recently, he's been saying things like this. He's like, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility. And I do, I do remind myself of that. He was talking about something else, but I, I think about, I think it works for this a lot of just, I remind myself a lot of, a lot of the times I'm like, this is a, tr- this is a, a lot of responsibility. And I want to make sure that um, I'm, I'm, I'm honoring that. And so in any of these like situations, like it is very different, like, you know, for today, for example, I mean, I, I, there was like five or six different like reps or distributors and people that are working in alcohol, like trying to get time coming into the space, hoping to like meet and chat and whatnot. And, and I'm just really honest. I just try to be super honest and kind. And I don't want to blow up smoke up anyone's ass and like, and try to promise overcommit anything. I'm always like, especially now, like, the, the fortunate thing now is like everything's pretty formulaic, like especially at this point, like I know the players, I know the the brands and the, and how many slots we have for the menu and all these different things. And so I try to just keep it as transparent as possible. I mean, I remember Drew, you and I like doing the dance, like in just, you know, in distribution and, and working with different books and whatnot. Like we've had that conversation so many times. And I think that that's like the biggest thing for me is like when it comes to that side, like I just, I just try to be honest. And then when it comes to the industry side, like on, on the people that are behind the bar and other spaces as well, um, you know, I try to not, I try to not think about that type of stuff like at all, really. I think like, I just, I want to make sure that like our staff is happy, like that we're cool, that we're stoked to come into work every day and like do our thing. 
And, and I know that like, I have my own sense of, of judgment and that the people I care about will, will say something to me. They'll be like, it feels a little off in here. Or like, you know, I, I went in and I had such, not such a great experience. Like, and I, I take those people's opinions that I trust like to heart and, and I care about that. But for the most part, I just like, I don't know. It, it, most of it's rumblings anyway. No one, no one comes up to me directly and is like, I had a terrible time. Like <laughs> my friends every now and then will say different things. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just like trying to be honest and, and trust the, the inner circle and the support group that I have around me, uh, of people that, you know, are saying like where we're at and how we're doing with things and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and you know, and to kind of, so to continue to build off, like, you know, the, the community that you developed and the things that you're, that you're doing, you know, again, there's been a lot of changes over the last two years for you. So like, like two years ago, you're, you're like cycling in your kitchen, like somehow propped your bike up to where you could just like jam it out like people just buy exercise bikes like you had like this whole contraption now you do like this run club thing and fitness and health which is going to be some other stuff that we talk about later in the articles is something that's always been very important to you and often something that gets overlooked in our industry because it is an industry of vices it is an industry of late night hamburgers at abv it's all these you know different things that don't necessarily lead to being in shape so you have your run club that you and and Josh do together and has continued to grow. And um, I always enjoy seeing those pictures of like the before and afters of stuff of you guys accomplishing your different goals. But how how important has that become for you to kind of be like, yes, here's this, you know, here's this bar manager for and beverage director for this really well-known entity, but then also this level of health and fitness is such a huge part of your life too. Like it's definitely part of the fiber, right? Like you're not just defined by one thing. Yeah. I mean, man, I get so excited about the bar stuff. Like when we have like, when we get like a different accolade or something like that, like I get so stoked, but there's nothing that quite gets me. We just broke the record for how many people showed up to run club last weekend. (laughs) It was 22 people, 22 people in our group. And I was like, the whole run, I was like, this is awesome. I'm having a great time. This is so cool. I can't believe all these people are out here. Like, like the the run club to me is like, it's just, it was just the, this whole piece that I wasn't even expecting that, that I realized was so, so important and, and, and huge as a part of my journey here. And, uh, you know, it, it was something that came so natural. Josh and I were both runners. And we, you know, Ruby like dared us without even realizing she was daring us. Ruby is Josh's partner. She she was like, you guys should go for a run together. And and she had meant like, you know, some time. This is maybe two months into like uh, 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 me being out here. And and we both like, we both had already run that morning. We we're like, all right, like, yeah, we'll go right now. Let's go run right now. <laughs> and we ran together and, and we didn't stop running together. We just both, we just, we kept running together and he was a, I will, I will never stop saying this. Josh, when we started running together, he was like, I think I'm a 5K guy. Like, yeah, 5K, like that's my distance. Like he was a sprinter. He was a uh, uh, he was a collegiate track guy, but he did short distances. And now we're both training for a 100-mile race. And I remind him of that all the time. He's like, <laughs> I'm a 5K guy. But, you know, the run club thing is is just the coolest. It's so so fun it's so important it, it it forces me to step away from things it forces me to not be overly consumed because that becomes like just you know sometimes the schedule i i just i'm like i don't have time i don't have time but because of the commitment that we made to not only ourselves but now the people in the community that we build around it i'm like it's not up to me i have to be there for 
the group. I have to show up. And so to see that group, like there were so many times we'd have the run and Josh and I would be like, it might just be us. And it, it never was. There was always one other person that showed up. But there was many a times where it was it was runs um, and we we do five miles on Saturday. We do five miles on Wednesday in front of Trick Dog at 5 p.m. And we do a 5K every Saturday in front of Uncle John's tree in Golden Gate Park. It's the it's the official tree of San Francisco. We actually just found that out. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we do we do those runs and we're just really consistent about it. We show up and it it's, it forces me to have this community. It, it, it's I've now developed this whole community outside of the bar, and that was the whole goal in the beginning was to try to develop a community surrounding something that was not alcohol or booze related or drinking related, not at a bar. And it's become that and more. We do trail runs now, um, once a month. Like it's developed into this like amazing, amazing thing. And it's some bar folks. Like we we do have some some people that are are coming that work in the industry. And when we, we've done it, we've hosted events. We we did a run at Tales of the Cocktail and had a great showing out there. We did one for uh, Seattle Cocktail Week last year. We've done a few different runs like that. But it's just it's just such a cool community and has like it's just enriched my life so much and added a whole new dimension that I was not expecting at all in coming into this city. Um, and yeah, it keeps me it keeps me it keeps me in line. Like as much as it, you know, people see sometimes maybe my training or different things, races, stuff coming up. Like you know, it's really easy to go three months without and being a bum and not posting anything and then posting one thing. And everyone's like, Oh, Nick's just like consistent doing his thing, but it's not like that. But BV run club in the past, like, you know, year and a half, two years that we've been doing the, doing the thing, it, it, it has made me tremendously more consistent in my life. And so I'm super, super appreciative of it. So, so one of the things that we were talking about before we got on air was just how hard it is to be consistent, you know, um, in this industry and to do different things. Uh, and so, you know, you talk about this commitment and how it's, how it's become bigger than you, um, with that. But if you were to say, you know, to any of our listeners who, you know, who are out there kind of being like, it's like, Oh, I'd like to do that in my community or something like that is, you know, I mean, everybody's journey is going to be different, but what do you say? Like, how do you maintain that consistency? Like, like what were those, what were those things that, that kept this project really, truly going? You know, as I think it's interesting that you asked that. Cause I, I, I don't know that I've necessarily like thought about that much, but as I sit here and look at the two of you, I think that having an accountability buddy is one of the best parts of it. Like, yeah. You, hey, you think we're accountable else- to each other? We just do nothing but bicker. <laughs> it's part of it though it is part of it because like like we just like yell Nick at was each saying other before he was like he's like he's like i can't believe you guys have been doing this you know for five years and i just was like i was like yeah the the you know really the key to it is that at no point have both of us wanted to quit it's just you know it's either you know there's always someone who's kind of like no 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 we're going to continue we're going to keep going we're going to keep going so so it sounds like that's the same for you so it's like does josh end up being your accountability buddy in that scenario Totally, totally. I think, you know, if if it wasn't for him and I both being, you know, really passionate about it and and, and caring about it, it, it wouldn't have been able to go for this long. And there's been different times, um, you know, where I've been the one being like, let's go, let's do this. And and there's times where, where he's the one that's like, he's the one that is the driving force behind it. 
Josh is really, really consistent with stuff when he starts it. I mean, like when he puts his mind on something, he's like, he goes all the way. Um, and, and so, you know, the way that we balance each other out is really nice, like in terms of like the runs and development of things. But I think like, it's really, if I was, do, if I was doing a run club by myself and there was days where no one showed up and there was weeks where I was just having a tough time and I couldn't lean on someone else to like kind of hold up the, the shit a little bit extra, I don't think we would have made it this far. And so I think that like having a good partner accountability, you know, buddy that you're, that you're doing on the journey with is, is hugely, hugely important. Um, And, and at a certain point, again, like the thing that's now been the really cool aspect of it is we've stuck with it long enough that like, there's, there's other people, there's other people that lead the runs. Like, when Josh and I leave and are traveling for different cocktail weeks or different pop-ups and takeovers and stuff, like we have other people that'll, that, that know the drill. They know to, you know, uh, they know what time to leave. They know to give the, uh, they know to take the videos during the run. They know to get the, the picture at the end to post and, and whatnot. And so it's now gotten to this point where there's other people that have expectations and that also are a part of it. And so, you know, like you had said before, like it's bigger than just Josh and I now, now it is, it truly is a community. And so like, but, but in terms of just getting it off the ground, like that initial step, it was just because he was there. And there was times where I was like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, we're doing it. And there's times where he's like, I don't feel like doing it. And I'm like, we're doing it. And so (laughs) that kept, that, that kept us going. Oh man, that's, that's so great. And I mean, and again, it's, it's been fun to, you know, watch you go on, on this journey and, and not, cause I, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause I feel like the only time I see you talk about cocktails is not even necessarily you. It's like some cocktail publication, some alcohol publication, because most of the content that you put out is like, Hey, we're going on another run today. Let's go on another run. Let's let's go do this. I know so, it's annoying. So annoying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, you've been this annoying for a long time, so don't even worry about it. We're just like it's a goddamn you just moved, We kept receipts. You just moved the you know the goalposts in terms of like now I care about this for health, and you're like, oh great, you know, and then you just like get your you know you get your tentacles and people like our our poor our poor buddy Tone who you know used to be a monster left tackle and now he's now he's out running marathons with you. It's we're just, leaning him out. He's we're leaning, leaning. Yeah, it's just kind of. He like, just did his know. first half marathon. So it was cool. amazing. We're so you know we're so excited you know for him. He's a great great guy and and now he's working with you down at Trick Dog, right? He is. Yeah, that was that was. I'm sorry, Bill. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> <laughs> we we always though it was the thing when I left. When I left crew, I felt really good because I was like, but here's Tone. Like, you know, right. Tone's going to hold it down. Tone's going to do the damn thing. And there was like everyone was always making jokes because Tone and I got so close and we worked so well together. And so everyone made jokes like, oh, when are you going to take him? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And then eventually, eventually he came. And, <laughs> and, and I told him, I was like, just tell me. I was like, I was like but Jose, Jose is here now. Like, you guys are good. Yeah. You know, they got Chloe. Yeah. So, right. and man, now, I mean, just shout out to them. They just changed the menu. They just changed the menu. I can't wait to get back to Sacramento and see Jose's new menu over there. I think I, I'm excited to see it too. So talented. Yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. you know, so, yeah, so they unveiled it and, um, you know, you know who else just changed their menu too that I'm really excited about is Ella. Johnny Cod just, just like did his damn thing on that menu and I'm stoked to go drink my way through it. I'm very, very excited. 
Yeah, I don't know him personally as well, but I I know of him and and whatnot, and I've I've seen all the pictures of the drinks and everything he's putting together, and and I've seen all of it on paper and in photo, and it looks incredible, which is just so good for a classic, a staple. I mean, God, Ella and crew, they've been going forever, and so when you they get this resurgence of energy, it's just so exciting to see it. You're like, yeah, they're just gonna keep going forever. Yeah, there's yeah, this, we need to, there's this funny um uh. I, I was introduced to this concept by uh, by Justin Liu, who used to be uh, the creative director for um, uh, for Future Bars. But it, he said it, and and it seems to be like be gaining new life with you now, which is that uh, the that Sacramento is the train ground for the best San Francisco bars and like the best San Francisco bartenders, because uh, he like he he would grab all these amazing bartenders from Sacramento. And take them down to San Francisco to like run these amazing bars. I mean, just look at Jason Wild, who's now the creative yeah. director for for Future Bars, and took, stepped into the position. Um, you know, I mean, it's you know, you look at Eric Castro, who came from Sacramento, went down, right? And now you guys are going back down there. When 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 Tone left and went with you, I, like that immediately came to mind. I was like, ah, it's happening again. And so often people are so people, mad at me. People wanted to like <laughs> so many bartenders think they can like they can do both cities. And I'm like, ah, you got like two months in you before you just make the leap. Yeah, you know, I think I mean I, I think it's totally true. Looking back, like, I mean, there are Sacramento is a powerhouse, and there are so many people that I've worked with and worked for that I, I think were totally interchangeable. Like I know that for myself, it was like looking, it was like, you know, it was like the AAA, like minor leagues looking to, to, to San Francisco, New York, places like that, that I was like, that's like, you know, the big time, like the big time. But then you get there and you're like, these are just people. These are just people here. You know, they're bartenders. <laughs> like we're bartenders. Like we're all the same, you know, and you get this experience. I mean, it definitely like, it, it definitely like the type of experience. There's more the, the competitiveness of things. I mean, when you have bars out there, like, you know, just around the corner, like we have True Laurel and, and Lost Resort, and like, like all like, I mean, San Juan, Osito, bars and restaurants that are just world class. So, so that pushes you, that really pushes you and makes you want to be better. And then the, I mean, there's, I mean, I could go on for days about like the, the cocktail bars in San Francisco that I'll go out and I'll just constantly be inspired and feel like, oh, I need to go work harder. Like, man, this is so impressive. And you know, in Sacramento, there's not there's there's some like big hitters, but there's not as many places like that. Like you know, all the other players out there and the people, and so the the competition definitely like you know it, it it's you know steel steel iron sharpens iron steel sharpens steel. Like you know, it's just like it, that competitiveness makes it better. But there are absolutely people in Sacramento that have no idea that they would thrive and and crush it in the city and be be just as good in a well next to people that they look up to and think like, Oh, I couldn't work with them. I couldn't be there. And Tom was one of them. Tom was nervous coming in. I was just like, you have no idea, man. You're, you're amazing. You're going to crush. You're going to fit in just fine. You're going to be just, you know, it's going to be all good. And he's killing it. He's doing great. No, oh, that's man. That's awesome. I mean, it was, it was a bummer. It was a bummer to lose. It was a bummer to lose you. Like, you know, it's, it, it's again, it's, we have, we have these people that were, that were lucky enough to kind of see, kind of come up in the game and you know and again like you were obviously rocket strapped way before us but you know watching watching your ascent through through this industry and then you know this this stop that you're making at trick dog i think like the exciting thing 
even now is like, you know, you've, you've been able to establish yourself. You're doing these really cool things. And the crazy, the crazy part to think now is that like, you're, you're in a spot where you're going to have to leave trick dog. That is like the next step, which is insane to think about. Right. Where it's not like, Oh, he fucked up. And then he actually wasn't cut out for this. Like, no, 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 you're cut out for it. You're doing it. You're putting your own spin on it. So now you're in this position where it's like, when your trick dog situation ends, I mean, it's going to be because you make that decision. And I don't know if you've ever, if you've thought about that, but um, you know, because again, like who knows what the next step is for you at this point? Well, I think I, I think I just have to say this first. I don't know. This is like so stuck in my head, but it just tone just told this to the whole staff at, at trick dog. And I, I think he just told them this for the first time. And it's, so they were all asking about it. So when I left crew and was it, when, when I had left and gone, people would come in, regulars would come in and guests would come in and they'd be like, Hey, where's Nick? What happened to Nick? And Tone would tell people they're like, Oh, Nick, he got, he got fired for stealing fish, like whole fish. He was stealing whole fish. And, and they'd be like, no way. Are you serious? Like, no way. He's like, yep. Yep. He was just taking a whole fish out of the walk-in. It's crazy. And and then, you know, it's like, ah, ha, ha. But you told him it was a joke, right? And he was like, nope. <laughs> so, so there's people that think that, like, I was just thinking, like, I was like, oh, leaving Trick Dog. I was like, unless I get fired for stealing, you know, uh, <laughs> whole fish. From, I was stealing, like, all, like, stealing some from Trick Dog. But, yeah, that just made me think of it. I was like... I can't believe that he told people. So there's people in Sacramento that think that I got fired from crew because I was stealing whole fish from Billy. I mean, that's almost a cooler story than, you know, going to like a top 50 bar. Right. It's just kind of like that. It's like that dude went out on his own terms, you know, with some (laughs) bluefin tuna in his fucking refrigerator. That's how he went out, you know? So, yeah. No, no you know, I think I, I love the journey that I'm on right now. I love working with Josh. I mean, the partnership has been so, so great. Um, and, you know, we have some things that we're working towards right now. And you know, I, I, I've been in the industry long enough to know, you know, nothing is official until, you know, it's opening day until you open open a space up. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I'll say that I feel really, really good about my uh, about working with Josh and the partnership there, and, and um, I hope that that we can grow to to new levels. And I love being uh, a part of of what we're doing at Trick Dog, and so uh, it, I, I don't, definitely don't like to think about anything a store of a, a, um, a narrative in which I'm still not a part of that in some sort of way. Um, so you know. I, I don't know about that, but, but my, I definitely, you know, coming out here and, and getting to be in the space, I feel more comfortable and I feel excited again to try to just level up and do, do the next thing. And I, I've gained so much. I've learned like so, so much as an operator in, in the space. And so um, hopefully we'll be able to take the next steps into to being more the operator to owner soon. So we'll see. No, oh, I love it, man. And I think uh, you know, that's a that's a great time to transition ourselves to um our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. So one of the things that 
that you know Nick and I talk a lot about is is mezcal. Um, I think it's something that both of us are are very passionate about, and we've had some really good agave chats over the years. And so the first story that we have is talking about a uh, a buyout um, where El Caterin is nearing an agreement to buy Elical Mezcal. Um, so the the Mezcal company, which I thought was really interesting right now, is being valued at less than $200 million, um, which I, I don't know. I My thought process was a big brand like Elical, the production that they're, that they're at right now with their infusion of Bacardi money a few years ago, it would be a much bigger deal. But I also think that this is, you know, a sign of the times and, you know, more and more brands are, are constantly being bought and sold and sometimes the rich get richer and, you know, it's almost like an arms race. But, you know, uh, I'll start with you, Nick, when you see a story like this and you're starting to see even Mezcal companies, which I think should be valued more, but, you know, a Mezcal company, like if you've been to one of the Palenques for Illegal, I mean, it's on the side of a dirt road that is now valued at $200 million. I mean, what are your thought? What are your thoughts on this? As you know, cause I, you've been to Oaxaca, you've, you've spent a lot of time down there. Uh, what are just some of the impressions of the story? You know, I, it, exciting, but scary and nervous with different levels of that. You know, I think if in, in seeing the tequila industry in the direction that it's gone, there's, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of good and growth that's happened, but the growth isn't always parallel to the growth, like the growth and rise in popularity of the spirit category isn't always like totally parallel with the growth of the communities that are producing it and like the, the culture from where it's coming from and whatnot. So uh, it, it makes me excited that that's, you know, the direction, but, but also nervous to see like, you know, what does that mean for the actual communities? Does that mean that they get ripped apart and that like, come people come in and everyone gets rich except for them or does that mean that like you know it'll allow for <clears throat> the families that are there to have improved quality of life um i think either way though like you know as i talk to the people in the communities down there like they're all they're all on the ride like no one's like when i'm in mojaca like no one's like oh they're coming in and buying it up like no one's like upset or like fearful it seems like of these these things, like I, I, I think like the outside perspective, we get really nervous, and I think and rightfully so, like seeing the whole things a lot of the time. Um, but it, it, you know, to me, it seems like it's kind of just like yeah, like that makes sense. That seems like kind of the direction it was going. All the big these big companies are all they're all needing to get their own mezcal brand now. You know, Diageo has um, uh, Union. Uh, you know, uh, you know every every little piece now. Like uh, they all seem like they're just buying everyone has to have like their own little mezcal brand now and like be a part of it. So it seems like a natural progression and direction that it's headed. I think, um, I do agree though. The number seems a little bit low, but I mean, in, in comparison with things it always, you know, it, it lines up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I think, um, <clears throat> I, I'm kind of with Nick on this one. Like, like there's, there's definitely some pros and cons to this. Uh, I, I'm a little shocked by, the lack of a larger number. Um, definitely. Um, not surprised that there's been very little communication outside of this deal. That seems very typical to me. Um, typically when these deals are, are happening, everybody has to be on the same, same page uh, with, you know, press releases and everything like that. Otherwise it could, could mess up the, you know, the transfer and the sale and everything like that and the, the valuation. <clears throat> but I, 
I think every time, you know, an outside conglomerate comes in and they buy what essentially is, you know, a small little mezcal brand, it, it kind of, it, it, it brings these, these brands and this spirit more and more into the mainstream and into the uh, sort of the, the everyday gestalt that, that is like the, the, the booze conversation outside of, outside of California, outside of Chicago, outside of, outside of New York city. Right. Like there's, there's, there's more that this, that these, these brands get, get thrown into sort of the everyday conversation then. And every time, every time that there's a trade just sort of brings a little bit more legitimacy to, to the conversation. But like Nick said, you never know where that money is going and where it's going to end up coming from and who's going to, who's going to profit from it. Because definitely the people who are, who are trading this, you know, they don't give a shit. It's not, that's not why they're in it. They're in it because they, they're seeing a long-term valuation that they can, they can increase their overall wealth. I mean, the, this company is not a small company. I mean, they have branches, they're international, you know, they own their majority owners in Birkenstock, right? <laughs> and like a, a hundred other brands that I don't recognize, but clearly like they have, they have so many, so many other brands that they're that they're a part of and owners of that they're doing it for money. I think I think that there's something to be said for that. I you know I'm pretty impressed. I'll say with uh, with Bacardi and how they've they've handled these transitions. What they did with Santa Teresa, which was this tiny little Venezuelan rum brand, nobody gave two shits about. Um, and they've just like they've thrown it into into the mainstream, you know. That was the rum that like made my eyes pop. This is my first like aha moment with rum was that tiny little brand, and taking something like Illegal, blowing it up, making it huge, giving them sort of the 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 free for all to do with the brand, what they see and all their PR and everything like that, um, make waves where they do. I I've been really impressed. I. I am a little nervous to see where this goes, though. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so you know some of the things that were pointed out, you know, as 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 this is going on, and Nick mentioned as well as you know, Pernod Ricard had a had a big purchase of Del Maguey, Diageo bought Mezcal Union, and then the Campari Group picked up Montalobo. So it, you know, there is this um, this big group, the the Catter the Cattertons, you know, they're a private equity group that again, I'm still trying to you know figure out more about um you know but at the end of the day and, and I, i'm always i've definitely changed my tune on on mezcal in the last couple of years is like, like this is still a business and you know i know one of the producers for for illegal and um you know him and his family have benefited greatly with their association with the brand over the years i mean to the point where there's some agave bars in california who won't work with his other stuff because they feel like he's been too successful yeah, right? yeah, yeah, which is like it's like oh no 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 he he has too much money now because of the illegal deal, which is so insane because you know all of this all of these people that are involved at all these different levels you know they they are entrepreneurs and you know again we're we're never going to know the full the full spectrum and the full numbers and you know one of the things that has helped me kind of like change my stance on it and stuff like that is like you know when we had Ricardo Pico on a few weeks ago. You know, we were talking about Don Lalo and how much his life 
is now set. And not just his life, but now multiple generations with his association with the Noche Luna, right? Where it was just kind of like, he was like, I had to get this guy paid. You know, he's 70 years old, still producing Sotol. You know, like this isn't the easiest life to live. Um, and I think that, you know, while we can have our concerns, it's just, it's important to continue to ask questions. It's important to go to these places and, and see what's happening because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to continue to keep people in states of poverty just because we think it's more romantic and, you know, yeah, and things absolutely. like that. Absolutely. And I think that's that, so, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's so real. And it's in, you know, and I've said it on this podcast before and I'll say it till the day I die. It's like, you know, preserving tradition is often a disguise for preserving poverty. And there's so many people who hide behind those um, those statements. And I think when when you see stuff like this, I mean, again, I just can't believe that it's only 200 million. It's like, how the fuck is, um, you know, like Casamigos selling for a billion and then Illegal is only selling for 200 million or only valued at 200 million. Like that's just like, is the Clooney effect that intense? Is that is that what we're saying? Um, He's really pretty. He is very pretty, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough, but. You know, I, I think overall it's it's important, especially as like leaders in the industry and, and people who have these platforms to kind of be like, it's like, yeah, you know, hopefully, um, you know, those the families that are involved with this, you know, also get like a nice payday where it's just kind of like, hey, you know, do you do you want to do you want to do this anymore? Do you want to pass, you know, pass this on to multiple generations and, and things like that? Because, I mean, I think that's where I want to see more and more mezcal brands headed is where they're talking about generational wealth, you know, like how do we get the Nolette family into mezcal? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we have those, those, and so it just so like, Nolette's like had like kettle one and Nolette gin and stuff like that. And so now like that family is a powerhouse because of all these years of production and things like that. Like how do we create these empires um, in mezcal as well. And we can't be afraid to infuse big dollar amounts into this category and stuff. And then, like I said, it's like, Oh no, you know, my mezcal can't be this or can't be that. It's like, that's so ridiculous too. And it, and it belies the, the point, right? Like the, the people, the people who are making those points, those, those like bar managers and bar owners, um, you know, and, and, and people who, who claim to to really respect Mezcal and, and want, you know, they claim to want these Mezcaleros to do well, but then immediately turn their back on them when they do, right? Like, that's like, it's like being like, hey, I, I like this band before they sold out, you know? Like, right. You know, it's it's the most, like, bullshit, you know, youthful vigor that just, it, it makes no sense whatsoever because if you actually gave a shit about these people and you wanted them to do well, you know, like, yes, you're allowed to be fearful for the quality of this product and, and what it says about the rest of the industry. Like the, all those are fair concerns, but you're also not allowed to turn around and go, ah, fuck you. I'm not going to carry your product anymore. That's like, that just means that you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a reality in this stuff too, right. With like the, the scarcity of the, of, the, the product itself, right. Or like, like where it comes from, like in the agaves that are being used and things like that. Uh, and, and so I think that that's always like a concern. And I know that when I was younger, I would, I would like absolutely fall on the side that we're all talking about. I was all crap. Yeah, we all did. I mean, I mean, me and Drew yeah, have been very loud about this. 
<laughs> we, yeah, we've, yeah. we've stuck I, our foot in, in our mouths many times, but we've learned, you know, totally. we grow up. Yeah. And I mean, especially coming now to, to trick dog and working, we work with a ton of big brands and there was a lot of times in the beginning, I was like, Oh man, like we're going to be putting all these like big, big names on. And like before, like I pride myself on being like, using the brand that was like, yeah, they only made 12 cases this year. And it was like, now I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, we're working with these big brands. But a lot of the time, like the larger the size, the more they're able to do, like the more power, the more ability and the more money and backing these projects, a lot of times the more good that they can do. They can create, you know, a more sustainable product. They can have better healthcare for their employees. They can, you know, they can do a lot more when it comes to this type of stuff. And so, yeah. Sounds like we're on the same page there. Yeah, we're, we're. I think we're getting there. I mean, and and again, I think the you know we, we've all beat the drum for for small brands. And and the thing is, is, like you can still do that. It just also know that there are some necessary evils to this industry and 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 everything like that. And I, and I think even evils is is a gross exaggeration, right? Um, I mean, it's but, not. I mean, there. I mean, I don't know about necessary evils, but I mean, there's some shit that's like straight up evil. It you know yeah okay it, so, in this industry, and it's you know not we're not all perfect. We're in a, we're in a, we're in an industry of sin and vice and that's, that's fine. But you know, not every single thing gives you cancer. Right. And so when you find cancer, you fucking cut it out. You got to get rid of yeah. it, you know, and get back to balance. Well, that's a whole other different, different conversation, but we'll say this, you know, let's encourage higher valuations for Mezcal. Cause 200 million is fucking ridiculous. Agreed. Agreed. Come on. Come on, private equity firms. Get together. Yo. Okay, so our next our next segment is about um, the growing inclusion of soda companies getting into the alcohol market uh, and how there's a lot of health experts out there kind of being like, this is not great. This is not okay that Mountain Dew is coming out with this four loco light version where these things taste so good that people don't realize that they're still consuming alcohol at the same time. Um, so, you know, there's obviously a lot of kind of like some fear mongering that goes on throughout this entire article and being like, Hey, the popularity of white claws is really terrifying because now we're seeing familiar brands get into this, like the Pepsi company. And like I said, Mountain Dew and things like that to where it's like, Oh no, now we're going to have familiar marketing plus booze and irresponsible drinking, which if you've listened to this show at all, (laughs) there are so many facts out there that are saying that actually the youth is drinking less than they ever have before. Um, and most yeah, of the time, and all those imp- and definitely growing up with boom farm didn't stop us from drinking in the past. Yeah. So. And it's like, it's, it's, it's <laughs> our, it's, it's, it's me and Chris's generation that are having the pool parties with the white claws empties all over the place. So, you know, I think our future is still bright, but, um, <laughs> you know, what I, when I saw this, I just was like, I was like, Oh, I feel like, I feel like Nick would get a kick out of this because again, sitting at trick dogs bar, eat the, three or four weeks ago, whenever I was there and ordering the classiest adios motherfucker I've ever had in my life that came out this beautiful, bright blue color that I just was like, I need to have 17 more of these. Um, it was a long article, but you know, when you see things like that, Dick, and you're just kind of like, like, okay, here, here you are as someone who does create lovely drinks that do make you feel like you're not drinking any alcohol at all, even though you definitely are. 
I mean, do you see concern from these soda companies or are you just kind of like, like, oh man, slow news day? Uh, you know, the only people that should be scared are the bartenders out there because they're making some damn tasty drinks in cans. <laughs> Those are the only people that should be scared. I remember we did it. We did an episode when I was working with uh, Trevor Easter and Lindsay Nate when we were working and we had the our that's the fucking drink. We did an episode where I was supposed to recreate a white claw, a black cherry white claw, and I failed terribly. We'd never aired the episode because i was so bad like we kept trying and i was like this isn't good this is not good at all it has zero <laughs> calories like you know i think like like when i when i was looking into this when i see these things come out i got so jacked up i was like that's awesome i'm so stoked this sounds delicious i feel like there's always going to be drinks out there that like you know are ridiculous like four locos like yeah that was crazy we shouldn't like probably not the best idea um, and you know, I think that like, I don't know, there's way up more things to be worried about and scared in this world than like, than soda companies getting really good at alcoholic beverages. Like, you know, it's just, to me, this is exciting. What a time to be alive. I'm stoked. I can't wait to try it. Um, but no, I'm not scared. I'm not, I am scared about losing my job, but you know, I'm just, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll just stop. We'll just, we'll stock a bunch of RTDs at the next bar that we do. You know what scares uh, me more than anything? Good. What scares me more than anything are the uh, the white suburban moms who come out and be like, "Oh no, this is marketed towards my kids." Now nobody can drink anything with flavor because flavor <laughs> right. means for the kids. So let's get rid of it all. Yeah, that's, that's that is definitely I, the thing that like doesn't make sense to me either. It's like when they got rid of all the flavored tobacco, and it's just like, it's like, bro, I like bubble gum. Like, what the fuck, you know? So <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's it's so selfish that these these moms have have taken it uh away from us i mean so i mean is is there is there a world that exists um young nicholas and maybe this is this is your swan song at at trick dog where there is an rtd on that menu where you just kind of being like listen this mountain dew french twist lemon spritz is the best thing that that we can come up with and we gotta we gotta have it here do you is there ever is, is there a universe that exists is are we in the multiverse at all but well you know i think we there's definitely a universe exists that where we try to recreate our own version of that like that which we do with the with the amf the 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 blue AMF and stuff like that. Like the nostalgia factor of that is just so fun. Like that's like seeing the the Mountain Dew. Like I feel like that's a trend in the beverage world right now that I I'm I can totally get behind, which is just recreating these drinks that were either like really shitty or or good, but trying to make them better. Um, I think in terms of putting like an RTD on the menu, that would take out all the fun for us. Like that's our thing. We're supposed to try our own you know take on incorporating different flavors together and whatnot mm-hmm. so i don't know that it makes a ton of sense for us there um, but with quick dog and that brand we're all about it i mean it is like that's what we want to be selling and we have some of those options for to go and, and through doordash and things like that because they're great they're amazing i mean i just had and you know people are getting really good at them at all scales i uh my buddy Gino makes this uh, tapache, like tequila highball 
um, RTD. That's incredible. It's that so good. He, like, incredible. I want that. He maxed out the salt content on it. Like it's just like he's like, yeah, I'm like not allowed to put any more salt in it. it, it like it was just like <laughs> it, it is a fantastic drink. And I was just like, whoa, this is so this is so so good. I think people are really starting to like mess around. I mean, gosh, Ryan Sang was doing the can can thing years ago and, and whatnot. And I think. You know, to too see early. people, he was too early. He was to too it. early. He was too yeah. early. He was too too smart with it. But you know, I think um, I think that that as a category absolutely makes sense. And and anyone that's denying it is just scared. You know, I'll, I'll say the 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 one thing that does frighten me is uh, the diet versions of things uh, because the marketing and like misinformation behind all that shit uh, is like is just bad. You know, like uh, the amount of I, I have this uh, uh, sadistic side of my, my personality that really enjoys breaking news to like to people who come into the bar and they order like a vodka and diet soda because they think that they're being healthier by doing that. And I'm like, no, that's it's actually worse for you. They're like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm like, no, it's like it's actually making you fatter. And they're like, shut up. I'm like, yeah, It's like a really fast Google search. Like, just pull it up. Like, it's fine. Like. Diet Do you want to break? Can can you break our brains right now? Because I, mean, I can only tell you, I can only tell you that you know. One time in college, I I mixed some diet soda and some booze, and I thought my heart was going to explode. But outside of that, I mean, well, I don't have so, much context for this. So yes, there's that. So the science science also suggests that it gets you drunker faster. So if that's a thing that you're into, go ahead by all means, like make good choices. Um, uh, but also it, it, the way it react to alcohol and the diet uh. Sh- sugars react with your pancreas it holds on to more fats um uh based on the alcohol I, i'm not i'm not a you know i'm not a nutritionist i don't know this stuff this is far more up shock, Nick's alley shock, shocking revelation me. right there yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, look, man, I'm a fat boy i like my i like my shit just give me real sugar though um yeah i think uh, in general I, though that, that, i think that, that that's a fair point like there i mean listen uh, yeah i'm I'm hyped on this stuff and some of it's just, just in jest, but some of it's real. But I, I think in general, what I'm convinced of is that the people that are making certain choices like that, that won't really change. Like whether or not, like the right. people that like when yeah, you yeah, take, yeah. when you take uh, flavored tobacco, like I think for a lot, they're going to find something else. Like people are going to find their own thing. You take four loco out, they'll find something else. Like I'm just convinced that people are going to make the choices that they're going to make. And, and so why deprive me of having the the Mountain Dew because someone else is gonna like have the same thing? You know, I just I think um, I think ultimately the unfortunate thing like I, I think there there's a lot of great solutions that you could have in terms of education on these subject on these subjects to try to like inform people because I think that there is a there's a lot of real sneaky marketing out there. There's a lot of misinformation, um, and you know I think the thing that I try to you know remind myself with all of this is none of it is healthy. All of it should be moderated. All right. of it should be balanced out. Yep. Um, and that and that's serious. You know that that is a, a real aspect to this. Is you know when we're talking about the the subject matter is like it can get out of hand really really quick. And it's a dangerous substance that that in, in this industry that we all work in and whatnot. So we should always be careful and always be mindful about what we're consuming. Um, but. Uh, with all that said, I'm really excited for the Mountain Dew. Yeah, it's, also, you know, it's, it's like breaking news. Uh, BB Run Club is now sponsored by Hard Mountain Dew. Uh, at the end of each run, you just get handed a yeah. can of Hard Mountain Dew. Yeah, so. 
Yeah. Everybody cracks it. They they all everybody everybody just shotguns it and just yells extreme. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, you know I think the same people who are who get like really upset by the fact of like drinks tasting too good are like the same people who come to me and tell me that like I didn't put enough rum in their mojito because they can't taste it. Right. Like it's the same people <laughs> yeah. who like they're like bro this is like I I can't taste any booze. There's definitely two ounces in there. You need to calm yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People are ridiculous. Um, okay. Well, it sounds like you know. Again, let's just let's just drink some hard Mountain Dews and go on a run. That's what I'm gonna do. We're going streaking. <laughs> you know who's dope? Definitely- Them over there. Okay, so we got to wrap that up. We can't just keep going back to you know RTD. Mountain Dew jokes. Uh, now it's time for for my favorite part of the show. This is this is our dope follows. This is where we tell you dope uh, social media accounts, other podcasts, movies, TV shows, books, people, whatever the case may be. We want you checking out things that we think are dope. Nick, we're going to start with you, my friend. Who is your dope follow? Who should people be checking out? So I thought a lot about this and there was a bunch of different things that I was like directions I could go. But I think one of the coolest things that I'm incredibly excited about is the product that my friend, uh, glove box, Josh Jankovic is putting together. He's making his own, it's called Donna's pickle beer. And it was one of those things that when he said it, I was like, Oh man, of course. Like, it's like one of those ideas, like, of course, of course, that's amazing. That's definitely going to be delicious. I'm so excited about that. So I, the, the story behind it, I think is even more amazing. He's for anyone that's met, he's just the sweetest dude, just so loving and, and, uh, and caring and, and just fun, always just like, just positive energy. Um, but he's starting this company. It's called Donna's pickle beer. Um, it's a, a briny pickle beer. Uh, just like it sounds. And Donna is his, his mother. And, and this goal is basically mission, get Donna out to California. He's originally from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, I'm pretty sure. He definitely reps Philly. But it, it's a project, essentially the business, the whole goal of it is to get Donna to move out to California and to be able to fund that, support that and whatnot. And the That's project amazing. is getting launched. It's so, so great. So great. And so... Uh, the logo is amazing. The branding is awesome. Uh, it's, you know, it's at Donna's pickle beer on Instagram. They're having their launch party in Chicago in April, I believe. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a cool product. I just, I hope it blows up. And so, uh, I'm that story alone. I don't care if it's even good. Send it my way and I will stock it in both the bottle shop and the, and the bar. Yeah, let's we gotta get, let's get totally. We gotta, gotta get, get people out of Pennsylvania. California. We gotta we get, get people out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania, <laughs> let's no. go. Yeah, let's get him out. Uh, okay, it's Chris, free advertising on the podcast. Let's go. Yeah, it's our new sponsor. <laughs> uh, my, I'm late to the uh, to the game on this one because this this person has like one point three one point three million followers on on Instagram, but um, I've recently come across her. Um, and she's fucking fantastic. It's um, a black forager on Instagram. Uh, this is a chick who lives in Southern Ohio who just like runs around the country finding shit to eat just on this, you know, in hills on side of road, fucking anywhere and gets really, really amped about it. And, and her like 
her enthusiasm for finding food is and talking about it is just incredible. And, uh, and she seems like we could be best friends and I would love to just like meet her and run around a forest somewhere and like get to know what I should be picking up off the ground and eating. She's just, she's incredible. Uh, and it's so much fun to watch her. I like it. Nice. nice. Uh, okay. So I got, I got two. um, Season five, Drive to Survive on Netflix is out. Go and watch it. I need more people to talk F1 with. I freaking love it. I'm totally obsessed now. And um, they race in Bahrain this coming weekend. And I cannot wait to wake up at like four in the morning or whatever I need to to watch the race. So go ahead and watch that. And then Is Lewis I, Hamilton still crushing? Is he still? Uh, Mercedes is having a lot of problems. You're going to have to tune in to Drive to Survive <laughs> to find out what those are. So, um, All right. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's, he's still making interesting fashion choices. I'll say that. Um, and then my second one is actually, you know, former guest, uh, and someone that, that I just have so much respect for. And I really, really like so much. And, uh, and that's going to be go and listen to MJ Towler's episode, our black wine guy with Isaiah Thomas, like bad boys, Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, um, you know, I'm so I'm, I'm 35. I grew up watching the NBA and stuff like that, but it was really by the time I was really getting into it, this is kind of post Isaiah Thomas's time. So my impression of Isaiah Thomas is like all New York Knicks, uh, you know, coach and stuff, which is not a flattering time for that man. And so, you know, of course I've gone back and learned about him, but the interview that MJ did with him was, was so good. And um, Isaiah has a sparkling wine but they talk about it for like for like three minutes. It's so funny because MJ just gets into all the basketball stuff with him. So if you are uh, an NBA fan and you want to have a much deeper appreciation for Isaiah Thomas and what he's done, not only on the court, but off too with all of his different entrepreneurial activities, I just, as soon as, I, when I was listening to it, I just reached out to MJ and I was like, I was like, dude, I think this is the best interview you've ever done. And, you know, of course he was super gracious about it as well. And, you know, I think MJ always does a really good job and he's definitely one of my favorite things. So if you're not listening yeah. to the black wine guy podcast, like get your shit together and go listen to it. He's but, fantastic. Um, he really is. Yeah, uh, hands down one of my favorite guests on our, that like recurring guests that we have. Yeah. He's the best. Um, but definitely, uh, you know, if you need an entry point, you know, go to the Isaiah Thomas one. It was a few weeks ago um, at this point, but it was, it was so dope. And it was, it was great. So that's, um, that's it. And I think those are, those are some pretty dope follows. The music for the good bottle podcast is orchestrated by Leon and chase Moore, produced awkwardly by us two guys. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you subscribe, please leave us a five star review and share it with your friends. Simple things like that make a huge difference for our adorable podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or on Facebook at the good bottle podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison six. Chris is Chris Sinflair. Nicholas, where can, where can our listeners find you? online uh instagram nick amano dolan n-i-c-k-a-m-a-n-o-d-o-l-a-n that's probably the best place and if they want to join your if they want to join your run club or in they're in they're in yeah. san francisco how do oh, they do that 
Oh, yeah, of course. I should play that. BV Run Club. At BV Run Club. Uh, and you should definitely, definitely follow us on there. We post all of our runs. We're on Strava at BV Run Club on Strava as well. For anyone that's on there. And we, we post all of our runs, all the trail runs that we're doing on there. Um, and then Strava the weekly runs. Strava is an exercise do- app for all of you uh, uh, couch potatoes like me. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Social, yeah. Didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. Social media. Like it's like a exercise, like social media thing. Um, it's great. Uh, and then, but yeah, we five miles every Wednesday, uh, in front of trick dog at five o'clock. And then we do a 5k run every Saturday, uh, in front of uncle John's tree. Love it. 10 AM at 10 AM. As always. We would like to thank you for tuning in to listen to our buffoonery. If there is anyone you think we should talk to, reach out to us and we'll make sure Drew gets his courage up to ask. I'm going to do it for you guys. You know how you know how I roll. Just get a couple drinks in me and I start booking guests. You got to so, do it for the culture, uh, baby. Doing it for the, doing it for <laughs> the culture, uh, the podcast culture. But great job, guys. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding me? Thanks for showing back up. Look at that guy. He's so adorable. Nick Amato. Good lord. <laughs>